right. All right, all right, all right. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. All right, we're back at it. We're back at it. What are we back at? This thing that we call life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Latara. My name's Laura. And this is... Passions Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about episodes 48 and 49. This is episode, what, 28 of our podcast? How did we do this? I don't know. How did this happen? This is amazing. We've stuck with a thing. We did it. I mean, I feel like we stick with a lot of things. I've stuck with a lot of things throughout my life. I don't know if I have. I don't know. What kind of person am I? Who am I? (laughs) Two, four, six, oh. I don't want to sing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's who we are. Okay. I guess. Sure. All right. I'll go for it. I'll go with it. So I'll before we get started it. today, we have an email to read from um, a listener. Yeah. It's so sweet. I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. And then let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk okay. about it. So this is from Andrew. I really do love your guys' podcast. It's been helpful when I need to get out of the house and go on walks. You're both hilarious, and it's definitely my favorite podcast. Anyway, I've been meaning to send over my How I Got Into Passion story since you guys asked everyone in your podcast. Basically, I was like six years old and thought witches and the supernatural were cool. So my sister and cousin said, you have got to come see this show we're watching. There's a witch and her doll that comes to life. I didn't realize it was a soap opera until my other cousins made fun of me for watching it with them. (laughs) But I got super into it. Tabitha, Timmy, Charity, Miguel, and Kay were for sure my favorite part. I was definitely too young at the time, but grew up with it and watched it on and off until it moved to direct TV. Same. My sister and I had to sneak it at one point because our grandma saw it one day and thought it was too sexual and then told our mom not to let us watch it anymore. (laughs) I think it's probably more nostalgic than anything at this point, but I do tell everyone it's the best worst show ever made. Not sure if this came up in the podcast yet. I'm listening to episode 14 right now. But I was wondering who your guys' favorite couples are or who you're rooting for to make it. Okay. So thank you, thank Andrew. You, Andrew. What thank a sweet email. And I, like, I can relate. I mean, I was like 12, 11 maybe when I started watching Passions. But yeah, I definitely shouldn't have been watching it. Yeah. And it is the best worst show ever made. It is the best worst show ever made for sure. I don't know. I kind of feel like they include all the teenage drama and everything with like the kids i think that they want like i guess preteens are maybe a little young but i think they are aiming for that age group because they include all that drama with them too you know well they include them because the show is going to last forever and so like it's to kind of groom us for newer storylines as Uh, they get older you know what i mean for more mature things but yeah like i don't think it was geared towards teenagers or you know what i mean i don't think it was for us and also the teenage stuff is so boring. Well, I, I, it is for me because I'm 32. Like, I wonder if I was, like, 12, if I'd be more into it. I guarantee I would have had the biggest crush on Miguel. Oh, yeah. When, I, had, I, was a, I had a huge crush on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so I, cute. Um, I also, I don't know, because they include those little PSAs for kids. Yeah, I guess. Maybe it's like you know what you know what it is exactly. What Mm -hmm. it is is just like how I was watching Days of Our Lives when I was in like the third grade because my mom was watching Days of Our Lives. So it's like they put stuff in there for the kids. I guess I don't know. I because I that's when I started watching soap operas was when I was like seven, eight. Yeah. Well, you you and Andrew both. Me and Andrew. I love that his grandma was just like, no, this is too sexual. You can't watch it. And she she wasn't wrong. (laughs) She wasn't wrong. There's a lot of Ethan and Gwen like sexy. All they do is make out. 
Yeah, but All who, do is make who are our favorite couples? Well, we haven't really gotten into the real couples yet. Yeah, like we're we, still introducing people. But like based on what we know of what the couples kind of are, we've kind of got our thruple in Gwen, Ethan, and Teresa. Uh-huh. And then we've got even uh, TC, mm-hmm. Sam and Grace. Mm-hmm. Ivy and Julian. Ivy and Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that they're a couple because they hate each other. Charity, Charity and Miguel. And Kay, I guess, and Kay is one of another that, thing. Of, yeah. That little uh, triangle. Frank Lomax and Whitney. Shut up. I can tell you right now they're my least favorite couple. There's a, there's a character who's going to show up in a... Pretty soon, his name is Chad, and he's Whitney's, like, love interest. I've heard a lot about Chad. Yeah, and they are my favorite couple. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Whitney and Chad. So we don't know Chad yet, but I've heard, I've seen people like talk about him, you know, on social and stuff. Yeah. So I know he's coming and it seems like a lot of people love them. My favorite couple is Sam and Grace. Yeah. Okay. Sam and Grace are goals. I love Sam. Yeah. I love Sam. I love Sam. He's great. <gasps> yeah. Sam and Grace are great. So, I mean, we're early in the show, so I assume, you know, things yeah. are going to change. And we should circle back to that later. Yeah, we'll come back at a later date. But right now, yeah, I'd say Sam and Grace. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sam and Grace. No, Tabitha and Tibby, Timmy are my favorite couple. Oh, <laughs> Tabitha and Timmy are, are my favorite couple. They are a winning couple. Man, they're horrible. I don't well, know. Tabitha's horrible. You know what? Teresa and Whitney might be the best couple. I mean, I know they're not a romantic couple, but those God, two those have girls each other's best. Ride or die. I love it. Yeah, Ugh, I love that friendship. Best, best friends. Best friends forever. <laughs> so let's get into it. We're in episode forty-eight. Yeah. So let's let's talk about episode forty-eight. So it opens at the Lopez Fitzgerald home where Pilar is saying a prayer and lighting her two candles in her window for her. Lost husband and son. Martin and Antonio. Martin and Antonio. And then Luis kind of walks in and sees her praying and doesn't interrupt her prayer. But once she's done, he's like, I don't know why you can, why you do this. They're never coming back. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, they've been gone for years and they're not coming back. Mama, stop torturing yourself. Yep. He, he literally says, stop kidding yourself. It's been years. Yeah. So she kind of brushes that off. She doesn't really, she's like, I'm not getting into this with you again today. Yeah. She goes, well, you know, how was your date with Beth? How, how's Beth? And then Louise has a very long flashback. They show us basically everything that happened at the Lobster Shack. Yeah. All of it. All of it. All, all of it. All of it. Half of this episode was flashbacks to things that we literally just watched. Yeah, it really was. So we see the flashback of Sheridan in the box and him trying having to rescue from her from the box and all of that. And then he comes back out of it and he goes like, it was, it was weird. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird night, mama. <laughs> and then he tries to call Hank at the B&B. He goes, I got to call Hank at, the, at Grace Bennett's bed and breakfast. So he tries to call, but no answer. He's not there, right? Mm-mm. So then Pilar asks after Beth again. It's like, hey, I asked you about Beth. Can you please tell me how's Beth? She's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> she's fine as always. Yeah. Like, poor Beth. Poor Beth. Poor Luis, Beth. She's just fine. She's fine. Luis doesn't care about Beth right now. Just fine. And then he, Pilar says, oh, you know, I always liked her. She was great. I still don't understand why you didn't marry her. And Luis is like... Well, I wasn't ready to get married, and you had no business taking her wedding dress shopping before I even proposed. Yeah, he's like, I know you like her. 
I know how much you like her. You took her wedding dress shopping. Blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, oh boy. So there's a lot of history between Luis and Beth. Yeah. And if he didn't want to rekindle it, like, why did he ask her out to the lobster shack on a date? Yeah. Well, he asked her out because he's trying to get his mind off of Sheridan. Mm. He's trying to cope with feelings about the feelings that he has about Sheridan that go against everything that he believes in right she's a crane they're awful but he definitely has feelings for her oh yeah and he knows he has feelings for her and he's trying not to have feelings for her so he asked Beth out to try to tame those feelings I guess is poor Beth poor Beth poor Beth it's not right but then Pilar says you know I know my son I know you son and you somebody's on your mind and if it's not Beth, then who is it, right? And then Luis tells Pilar that he ran into Sheridan and Hank at the Lobster Shack and that they, like, had to sit together and that there was a whole a whole thing that happened, mm-hmm. right? And he then tells her all about Sheridan's ordeal. Right. And Pilar is shocked and very concerned. And Luis looks at his mom and says, you know, you've known Sheridan since she was a little girl, she kept saying it wasn't her fault and that she didn't mean to. Is she trying to cover something up? Is there anything you can tell me about this? Right. And Pilar says, like, why would why would you say that? Why? What could she be covering up? Right. And she has a flashback of Sheridan saying to her as a little girl, like, Pilar, I didn't mean it. Pilar, you have to believe me. I didn't mean it. And so she has a very, I mean... Mm. I feel so bad for Sheridan. Oh. I know. I feel really bad for Sheridan. <laughs> and, I, and now I feel bad for shitting on Sheridan I don't, for like I 20 don't, episodes. I still don't feel bad for shitting on Sheridan. <sighs> I did what I did. I said what I said. And I fucking meant it when I said it. But she does have some issues from yeah. her past that, you know, warrant some sympathy. Like, for sure. For her. Yeah. So... Pilar is concerned, and she's saying, like, why would you say that? What could she possibly be covering up? And she tells Louise, like, this is what she says. She says, I can't tell you why Sheridan would say those things. So she didn't say, the wording is so important, because they make a point in this show, this episode, to Mm -hmm. say multiple times that Pilar doesn't lie. They make a point multiple times. So she says, I can't tell you why she said those things, as if she's like, I couldn't tell you i don't know right mm-hmm. but pilar knows yeah <laughs> pilar absolutely knows she just can't reveal what it is that she yeah knows. she just can't tell him yeah. but she doesn't let on that she knows anything she says it in such a way that her that louise takes it as she doesn't know anything right, right? but she also asks louise like why do you even care why are you up my ass right now about sheridan <laughs> crane of all people yeah. and why won't you let it go and he says he goes for once, Sheridan didn't make me mad. She fascinated me. Ooh. It's like a puzzle that I need to solve. Ooh. <laughs> and then he goes out and to play some basketball in the backyard. Yeah, he's got to burn off some Sheridan steam. He's got to go take off a shirt. Mm. Mm. And when he goes out, Pilar calls a taxi. To take her to the Crane Mansion. Yeah, she's going to go over to the Crane Mansion. So let's go see what Sheridan is up to over at the Crane Mansion. What's going on over there? Well, she and Hank arrive at the cottage where she is staying, and Sheridan is very much in shock, and Hank is kind of a D-bag. <laughs> like, I think it's, I think it was, 
you know, the 1999 version of man trying to be sympathetic and not knowing how to do it because of like his own emotional incompetence. Mm -hmm. So to me, I was like, this guy sucks. And I'm sure at the time they were trying to make him sensitive, Mm -hmm. but essentially he's like, you've hardly said a word, say something. And then it's like, he didn't really know what to do. And so he wasn't exactly kind to her. He's like, I guess I'm just going to leave if you're not going to talk to me. He, yeah. He's like, I can take a hint. I, yeah, I can take not, a hand, I'll leave. It's not about you. But Sher- yeah, Sheridan wasn't Sheridan wasn't saying anything and she was in shock. And you're right, it's not about him. I and I can like I can see why he's like, Okay, I'll leave. But the way he said it was annoying and yeah, yeah like but I can see him not knowing what to do in that moment. Like, should I stay? Should I just like walk out? Like, and that's when you look and you say, I can tell you're going through something really difficult. Do you want me to stay? Yeah. Or would or would you or would you like or me would to you leave? like to be by yourself right yeah. now? You know, that that's all it had to be. And instead he made it about himself because Hank sucks, because he's a con man. Yeah. He definitely did do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But eventually Sheridan kind of snapped out of it briefly and was like can you please stay at least just for a little bit it's been a very difficult night i'm having a tough time and this is when hank finally surmises that it's more than just being in a box it's more than just being scared (laughs) he goes well maybe you're claustrophobic and then we have another flashback Mm -hmm. and this time we get a little more information so the voice that I'm assuming is Alistair Crane, but I don't know for sure, is like, no one must ever know about what you have done. No one. Not ever. <laughs> That's my Alistair. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a man Tabitha. It's like a man Tabitha. Yeah, because it's like, well, to me, his accent is like fake British and hers yeah, sounds authentic. Yeah, it's like that, authentic. like, that Cary Grant transatlantic yeah. kind of like, when they started doing the talkies and all of the... <laughs> all the of the talkies. actors, all the actors had to take like elocution lessons and like speaking lessons or whatever. Well, yes, we must all speak like this. Yep, <laughs> just like this, my darling. Yeah, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a goddamn. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going with this. What oh, happens? So she has her flashback. So she has her flashback, and Hank is starting to pick up on things, and he's like, being in that box must have like triggered a memory, and wants to know a little bit more. But Sheridan is focused on what it is that she said because it's clear that she doesn't want to have said anything that incriminates her or leads back to whatever the secret is that she's trying to hide. Uh-huh. Um, and so she's more focused on getting Hank to clarify what exactly came out of my mouth. What did I say? And Hank doesn't really help. He's like, you just said that you were afraid. But he says, if I was locked in a rusty box, I'd probably say some crazy things too. Yeah. Again, with the insensitivity. (laughs) If I was locked in a rusty box, I'd probably say some crazy things too. And all she's saying is, what did I say? Yeah. And instead of helping, he's like, you said some crazy shit. Yeah. You're a crazy woman. I mean, come on, Hank. And she says she just, she wants to make sure that she didn't say anything embarrassing is what she says to yeah, him, right? Yeah, but that's not true. That's not true, but that's what she says to him. Yeah. And he asks her if she needs to talk and she says she's really tired and then Hank leaves. And I couldn't tell if they, if they agreed to go on another date. No. He kind of pushed it a little. He was like, I had a great time in spite of everything. Like, I'd like to see you again. And Sheridan was non-responsive. I'm, and then she said, sure, Hank. I literally I wrote, I literally wrote, she's just not that into him. She's not into him. No. She's not into him at all. And yeah, he does kind of push her a little bit. 
But no, they have, they're not going on another date. It was one of those very polite, like, I'm going to say this now so you don't murder me. <laughs> you know what I mean? In yeah. my own home kind yeah. of things. But yeah, no. No, thank you, Hank. Good. I don't want them to go out again. Mm-hmm. I want her to hurry up and get with Luis. <laughs> I know it's gonna take. It's gonna be thousands of episodes. You got a long I'm road sure. ahead of you. Ugh. But I'm really over Hank, and I didn't like how pushy he was at the end. Like she's having, she's obviously going through something, and now is the time that you're gonna be like, we should go out again. Maybe. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, dude? So he leaves, and Sheridan's sitting there alone hugging a pillow like oh, like crying a little bit so she's upset sad. and the somebody knocks on the door and it's Pilar Pilar shows up yay yay Pilar and she comes through the door and gives Sheridan a hug like they hug the biggest hug Pilar is just like everything she is so grounded and so sweet and so honest and cares so deeply about everybody. Yeah. she Like, who's giving back to her? What a lovely woman. Well, they did just throw her that birthday party. That's true. Her kids love her. Her ki- her family loves and her. And everybody yeah, loves do. her, yeah. you know. So, good old Pilar. So, she has come over to the cottage yeah. to comfort Sheridan mm-hmm. because she knew she would need some comforting after she heard what had happened at the lobster shack because when louise told her that she had gotten inside the coffin or whatever she was like good lord what would make her do that yeah pilar <laughs> knew right away like her her instincts were up she's like oh my gosh yeah like, this isn't gonna end well i gotta go check on this woman yeah and so sheridan asks pilar you know i i guess louise told you what happened tonight and says did he tell you what i said and then she asked if he asked about her past Right? Mm-hmm. And Pilar says she didn't tell him anything. Right? Mm-hmm. And Sheridan goes, Pilar, you never lie. You lied to your own son for me. And Pilar's like, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell him what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I still didn't lie. She was like, I simply didn't tell him what I know because he doesn't need to know. It's not yeah. any of his business. And he's, my son is a great police officer and I know him. And if he, Thinks there's anything going on, he won't let it go. So I didn't tell him what I knew, but I didn't lie to him. Yeah, my record's clean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Clean slate over here. I, I love it. But she's right. Like, it's not any of his business. And it's, no. there's no reason for her to... I could see if there was an op- a truly an open investigation into this matter and she needed to tell him what she knew because it's his job and it's important. But... It nobody's asking about it but him, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. But he's a dog with a bone, so I think he's going to keep pursuing it no matter what. Oh, for sure. You Absolutely. Know? Oh, Sheridan looks at Pilar and goes, Am I doomed, Pilar? She's so worried. She's, she, she basically says that she's afraid if she stays in harmony that she'll never be able to move past it. Like, that night is going to haunt her. For the rest of her life. And so she's like, I've got to get out of here. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And like, I should have never left Paris. Yeah. Like, it's better off to be with like a loser like Jean-Luc than to like be here and alone or, or yeah. And Pilar is just like, Sheridan, you can't expect someone to love you until you have learned to love yourself. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Mama Rue. Now let the music play. This is the main event. We don't need Rue coming after us. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need Rue coming after us. Okay. All right. Keep going, because 
you have better notes on this part of this than I do, I'm sure. I don't know. I didn't take great notes today, but we'll see. So Pilar basically just offers her great advice and comforts her and tells her that if she runs away now, she will be running for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. She says, you have to face your fears. Your ghosts are here in harmony. It will take faith and patience, but it will happen. Mm -hmm. So Pilar is basically saying to Sheridan, you have to do the hard work and you have to learn how to love yourself if you're ever going to have a fulfilling life. Yeah. Because if you only are putting out like that kind of energy, that kind of negative energy, you know, then that's only going to attract a certain kind of person who knows how to pick out people who are you know, susceptible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and those are the men that Sheridan has always attracted because, because predators know how to pick out prey. Yep. They know. Yep. They do. So Sheridan is also worried that Luis is going to turn this into a whole thing and mm-hmm. start like a case about it. And, and Pilar says that she will do whatever she must to make sure that Sheridan's past never comes to light. Yep. Pilar promises to keep that secret. Yep, so we shall see. But let's head back over to Pilar's house. What's going on at at the Lopez Fitzgerald home? Well, Hank and Pilar kind of switched places. So while Pilar was back over at the cottage, Hank shows up at the Lopez Fitzgerald house. Now, Luis was playing basketball without a shirt on, so... So I only took like one note. I only took a little bit. (laughs) Because I was very interested in the information, like, not the information, but in the visual that was happening. That man is fine. I literally wrote, Luis is too handsome to take notes. That's my note. And they had, like, sprayed him down with, like, glistening spray or something. He Oof. was looking fine. He was looking like a whole he meal. He so good. A whole fucking Thanksgiving. meal, Thanksgiving. He mm. looked like thanks. I'm giving thanks for him. <laughs> Do you understand? Oh, he is so fine. Oh, he is so fine. Oh, my God. Even on this, like, like blurry TV, you know, YouTube That's version. It's like, he still looks good. Mm. I don't think I could handle this show. If in high definition? In high def. <laughs> I really don't think I could. Everyone is too beautiful. Today, Sheridan was on screen. I just couldn't stop looking at her. I was like, this woman is gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't. They're all so beautiful. She is. They are all so beautiful. But Hank shows up, and he's got on, like, a tank top. And all I could think was, like, keep that shit on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take that shit off. Keep it on. Keep it on. So There's no competing with Officer Lopez Fitzgerald. So he and, he and Luis have a little conversation, right? So mm-hmm. Hank comes over, and Luis asks him, how's Sheridan doing? Right? Yeah, and he kind of apologizes to Hank. He's like, I know I asked too many questions. I didn't mean to interrogate her. I just want to see if she's doing okay. And Hank's like, oh, no harm, no foul. I don't know. Says something about a nightmare. Yeah, they. you know what? They play a little basketball, and Hank tries to convince Louise to let it go, like that Sheridan isn't hiding anything. She just was scared and was just saying nonsense. And he says, you know, what did, did you ask your mom about it? What did Pilar say? And Louise says, well, she said there's nothing to to worry about or there's nothing in there. And Hank, again, reiterates, well, there you go. Pilar never lies. Mm -hmm. So if she says there's nothing, then there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And Louise says, you know, there's something that she said that still bugs me. Did they ever say what it was that she said that still bugs him? No, he did. They didn't say specifically. He was just like, "It's a mystery that I want to solve." Yeah, and he just says she's keeping a secret. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's interesting because Hank 
says, this is like the one thing I did take a note on, is that Hank tells Luis that he's always had an overactive imagination, which seems mm. to run in this family. Mm, yeah. All of these children, well, the ones that we know, Luis, we've now found out, has a very active imagination. Yep. You know, we, we've seen what Ther- what goes on in Teresa's Teresa's wonderful, wonderful mind. A beautiful mind. A beautiful mind. And Miguel and Charity are sharing dreams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's next level. Yeah. This shit is next level with this family. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Luis is like, yeah, there's a secret. And then he says basically what Frank Lomax says. He's like, I'm never going to give up. I'm yeah. going to investigate this to the end. Yeah, he's like, once I start a case, I'm, I don't stop. Like, so, All right, okay. Lomax. Okay, buddy. Luis Lomax over here. Luis Luis Lomax Fitzgerald. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay, so that's everything with that little storyline today. Yeah, we did it. So let's go over to Castleton. Oh, yeah. Let's go over to Castleton. Jesus, we got to talk about Castleton. Where the house is on fire. There's really not a lot to talk about. There's no action in Castleton, really. There's not a lot. Yeah. The house is on fire, and the phone is ringing. And Faith is, like, trying to get to charity through the smoke. She's, like, disoriented because she, remember, had a full-blown wrestling match with Tabitha as a human and a dog. Yeah. And And then was, like, knocked unconscious briefly. Yeah. Has been inhaling smoke. Yeah. So she's not... In good shape. She's not well. She's unwell. Yeah. She's undone. So mm-hmm. um, the house is full of smoke. She's trying to get to charity. She's charity. Charity. Yeah. <laughs> She's trying her best. Charity's ass is still asleep having this fucking dream about Miguel. But throughout the dream she has, she starts to have little moments. Like, at one point, you, she, we could hear, like, the phone ringing. And mm-hmm. then at one point, we kind of saw smoke in her dream. And then she's going, Miguel, Miguel, where are you? She, like, wakes up within her dream. Ugh. And I was like, is she still dreaming? Or is that reality? But no, it, it was, was a dream. dream. She could, And it had to be because she wakes up and the room is filling with smoke. And she's going, Miguel, Miguel, where are you? Miguel, Miguel. Mom, mom in her dream. Then we zoom out of that back to Charity asleep in her bed going, Miguel, Miguel. (laughs) So that literally is all that is happening in Castleton. And the phone is ringing off the hook. Ringing, ringing, ringing. Why is the phone ringing? Well, the phone is ringing because Grace back at her home is trying to get in touch with Faith and Charity because she just knows in her heart that something is terribly wrong. She is hysterically on the phone like she can barely get words out she's choking and sobbing and even sam come in because sam has gone to tell eve the good news and they come into this scene of grace you know on the phone weeping and she explains that she's unable to get a hold of faith that something is terribly wrong there are evil forces you know i'm afraid my niece and my sister are in terrible danger she's trying to convince sam and eve that something awful is happening yeah but they 
don't they they refuse to hear it they won't they won't hear it they will not hear it they're not taking it seriously at all and i was getting a little frustrated with that like not as frustrated as i do normally but i was like listen to this woman please she's hysterical and she's not normally like this and she says to them faith told me that if we were once we were together like we would be able to withstand anything but not until we were together and that the evil forces are stronger at night and that hopefully those the evil forces that are after us don't know that we have contacted each other yet Mm -hmm. but what if they did find out what if they did find out like she's in trouble I can feel it I'm telling you she's in trouble I can feel it and then Grace starts to like run a fever she's on the couch laying down they you know she's she's getting sicker and sicker honestly and Eve says to her I'm gonna take you to the hospital you gotta we gotta take you to the hospital and Grace says there's nothing wrong with me it's my sister. I'm trying to tell you it is my sister. Something is wrong. I'm feeling these feelings because she is in danger. Mm-hmm. They're not listening to her. They're not. I mean, and it's interesting because Grace even, I think, tries to tell Sam, she's like, you have talked about twin telepathy. You know that twins, identical twins, separated by a distance, still feel things. This is exactly that. That's what's happening. She even, even though she's like, we keep saying hysterical, like, she still is trying to think logically, and she's like, well, if there is if there is something wrong with the phone, and it's just the line, then I'm going to contact the operator and see if there's an issue with the phone line. So she, she starts taking, like, methodical steps to mm-hmm. rule out, you know, it, problems, basically, because Sam and Eve just aren't doing it. They're, you know, they're so concerned about what's happening in front of them. And, um, I don't know, Sam a couple times is like, I'll just go check. I'll yeah, just go check. and then he and never then he goes. Doesn't. He stays at the house with he- with her. And it's like, Eve is there. She's a doctor. He never leaves. Because that's what I thought. I was like, okay, so Sam's going to go and save another one of these women yeah. from a, another, yet another fire. Yeah. You know? But he never he never actually leaves, which I, which I also get. Because he doesn't think there's anything wrong. Right. He thinks this is like Looney Tunes stuff. And... His wife seems to be going through something immensely terrible. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to leave her side. He loves her. Remember, y'all, that's your favorite couple. favorite couple. Sam's not leaving Grace's side for anybody else to check on anybody else because she seems to be really in the throes of something. Yeah. Honestly. And I get why, to us, we know what's going on in Castleton, but to to them, this is just out of pocket. It doesn't, you know. So, but I... If it were me, I probably would have said, okay, let's all get in the car and let's all go to Castleton and see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like if Grace was, got in the car with him to go to Castleton, I feel like she would feel better. They're headed that way. And then they would happen upon that fire. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, it is the longest night in Harmony. Somebody is, said that on the Instagram. Yeah. Someone it, said it and they were right. So it's right. It's true. The longest night in Harmony. I understand. It is. It's understandable why Sam and Eve are more worried about Grace than they are Faith. But for us as the viewers, we know that Grace is right. Yeah, we know that Grace is right. So so it's frustrating a little. And I'm annoyed with Charity. Like, wake up. Wake up. (laughs) Wake up. How deeply can you sleep? Seriously. Seriously. Like, as a person who sleeps very heavily, like... We'll sleep through a lot of things. I slept through an earthquake once. Like I sleep through things. Wow. I don't. I don't think I would sleep through like my mom screaming my name. Charity, wake up! The house is on fire. Like smoke 
coming into my room. A full like, on fight happening in the living room outside of my you bedroom would, door. You would start to sm- the smell the smoke and you start to choke on it. You yeah. know what I mean? It wake you up. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't know why she's still asleep and she's slept through a lot. Like mm-hmm. you said, that whole she slept the through the dog attack, the barking. She, yeah, the barking. Tabitha also is outside of this house just laughing maniacally. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, and she tur- and then Tabitha turns back into a dog, and she's like, "All right, I'm gonna head home now." Yep, she heads on back to her home Ugh. and finally heads back where Timmy is still reading his book. <laughs> he's, re- he's dressed re- as um, <laughs> Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes, wearing his little ha- uh, his little um, what's it called? That cap? I have no idea what it's called. That like Sherlock cap. There's a name for it, but I can't think of it right now. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, reading The Hound of Baskervilles. At some point, he starts reading the description of the hellhound from the book out loud. And it's terrible. Big glowing eyes, ferocious fangs, like a, a, you know, matted coat. And he goes, oh, that sounds like Timmy's sweet princess, Tabitha. (laughs) (laughs) So his sweet princess shows back up, returns home as a dog, and Timmy's scared. And he's like, Timmy's been a good boy, you know. (laughs) And then she transformed back into herself and... Says, you know, it's been a long night. And then she says she did the deed, though, and it's done, right? And then she goes to check on Grace. She says, I need to go, let me go check on our dear friend Grace Bennett, because Mm. by now she should be burning up. Which she is. She has a fever. (sighs) So she goes and checks on Grace. Mm. Sam's not happy about it. Yeah. She, of course... Just walks into the house. She's like, oh, I knocked, but nobody answered the door, so I just let myself in. Yeah, she bopped right in. She came Ugh. in quickly, too. It's like she was running in. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Sam is is too polite to be, like, straight up, like, mean and irritated with her, but you can tell he's annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and Tabitha does a little recon. She's like, oh, what's going on? Is there anything I can do to help? And Sam's like, oh, well, she met her sister, and now she's burning up, and we don't know why, you know. But I think you should probably just go. Like, she needs to rest. And he politely asks her to get the fuck out. Yeah. So she goes back to her house and is pr- quite proud of herself. Very pleased. So proud of herself. And she says, you know, Timmy, this has been one of the hardest nights of my life. And it reminds me of the old days. The Salem witch trials. <laughs> then we get a flashback of Tabitha <sighs> tied to the stake. And being burned at the stake. Yep. And one of the men says, Dost thou repent, witch? And she's like, Never! And so they and then are they gonna burn her at the stake. Set. Yeah, I can't wait to see the rest of that flashback. Yeah. What happens there? That's what I want to know. Well, because a couple episodes ago when Tabitha was pretending to faint and maybe have some medical issues, mm-hmm. Eve examined her and said that she had burns on the soles of her feet. Mm -hmm. And so presumably that occurs in this Salem witch trial burning at the stake flashback. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't wait to find out though, if we ever do. Yeah. But yeah, so she goes home and then nothing ever happens with Grace and Sam. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's unresolved. I assume this night is going to take many, many more episodes. I think we, I think we've got maybe three more episodes of it. Ugh. I'm so ready for it to be over. Well, because I think what we're going to do is we're going to, yeah, we're going to continue with, we got to go back to Whitney and that girl. 
what's that girl's name? Teresa. Teresa the one I like. <laughs> Your favorite character? Whitney and Teresa. We have to go back to them. Yeah. And we'll pro- they'll probably like catch us, show us some like other random people really quickly. And mm-hmm. then they're going to stretch it out a little bit. Do I think. a little Kay and Simone. Yeah. Probably. Yep. Yep. Get Reese back in the mix. God. Ugh. So I think, well, but I think we got maybe three more episodes yeah. of this, maybe. I just can't imagine them stretching out. Charity, Charity still sleeping. hasn't, she still hasn't woken up. They stretched, they've already stretched it out it's for ridiculous. so long. It's ridiculous. She needs to wake up. Yeah. So that's the whole first half. That's the whole, that's it. Of the episode. That, all right. So that's it for episode 48. That's we'll be back it. with 49 and right after these messages. <laughs> All right. This fucking episode yeah. did nothing for 20 minutes. And 40, 30 minutes? 30, yeah, 30 minutes. minutes. Nothing. For 30 minutes, they wasted our time. And then the last eight minutes was so intense. So much happened in such a short amount of time. It was crazy. It was jarring. Uh, this, so episode 49 was... Very boring for a very long time. How many times did I look at you and say, I hate this so episode? So many times. Laura really hated this episode. I did not like it until I loved it. Until they turned the tables on us. So many things happened. Let's get into it. Ooh. Let's get into it. So this episode starts at the Crane Mansion, the cottage where Sheridan is staying and Pilar is trying to comfort her, right? Because mm-hmm. Pilar has come over to comfort Sheridan because she found out that Sheridan willingly got inside of a coffin. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, had like a horrible episode. Yeah. She's like, I'm trying to understand why you got into that box. <laughs> and Sheridan didn't, she just didn't answer. Nope. She has no answer. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, well, you know, putting it out of my mind is easier than facing everything. And it's like, that's not what Pilar just asked you about. Yeah. And then she talks about, they talk about just how Sheridan can't go into the living room, even though we've seen her in there multiple times at this point. See, I thought we were just going to let it go. Yeah. But now they're bringing it up again. I We have seen Sheridan in the living room more than we saw her in Paris. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She won't leave the living yeah. room. So she ta- she's talking about that and how she can't even go in there and that's why she stays in the cottage and that night and the she you know how she's traumatized and everything and Sheridan is worried that Louise will investigate yeah and and open an investigation into her past and find out what she did and Pilar's like I already told you that's not gonna happen I mm-hmm. promise you I won't let that happen so Pilar goes to make her some warm milk gross disgusting I don't a glass of milk so nasty as someone who can't eat dairy it's like especially gross like the thought of drinking any milk is making me gag but warm milk I'm like literally I don't feel well yeah talking about it is upsetting me (laughs) milk is disgusting I hate milk except for like when I'm cooking things and baking things but to drink it I know it's a thing you know, for kids, it's supposed to help kids sleep. A little, a little warm milk, put a little cinnamon in there. You know, I don't know, but Sheridan's like a 28-year-old woman. Yeah. I don't know. Ah. So Pilar's trying to comfort her the same way she would have comforted her when she was a child, right? Mm-hmm. So she makes her some warm milk, and she says she's going to stay until she finishes her milk and all of that. And Sheridan says, oh, you used to make this for me when I was a child. And then Pilar says, are you still sleepwalking? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, yeah, I used to make this for you, and it worked really well when you were a child. It kind of seemed to help you sleep through the night, you know, since you used to have episodes where you would sleepwalk. Is that still happening? And Sheridan is like, well, there's something I haven't told you about my sleepwalking. Yeah. When I was a child and I would sleepwalk, I would dream that that night was happening all over again, but the dream is strange. 
I would be in the room as an adult observing the situation around me and watching what happened when I was a child and seeing everything unfold. But I can never see the face of the person that I killed. That she killed. Yeah. I can never see the face of the person that I killed. She says she doesn't know if it's a man or a woman. So Sheridan seems to think she killed someone. She definitely thinks she killed someone. Yeah, she thinks she killed someone. The way they show it, though, I'm certain she didn't. I'm certain that she has been bullied into and convinced into thinking that she killed someone by an adult. The person who's like, you did mean to do this. This Mm -hmm. is your fault. It's Mm -hmm. all your fault and no one can know. Alistair, I'm sure, has convinced her that she killed somebody even though it was an accident. And I'm sure she bears no real responsibility for it. Yeah. So... Sheridan killed someone. Yeah. Like, at this point in the story, we are to believe that Sheridan killed someone when she was a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. So And so in her sleepwalking, she's trying to discern who it is that she killed. And she's convinced in her waking life, she's convinced that she'll never be able to move on until she unlocks the mysteries of that night. Right. So I think it haunts her. We know that this haunts her. But I think that she wants to solve the mystery in a way mm-hmm. and that's why I don't know. Well, but that but that's what that's like what therapy is, right? right? Like that's why she needs some therapy. It's like you have to confront things before you can get past them. Right. Right? So she's right. She does need to unlock that mystery, but she just needs to confront what actually happened. She doesn't want to confront what happened. She wants to know who she killed. You know what I mean? She's but that's part of what that, happened. Right. No, no. I I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you. But that's not where her head is, I don't think. She, mm. she doesn't actually want to move on. Like, she keeps saying she wants to move on. But in this moment, it's clear to us that she what she really wants is to know who the, who the who victim was. Yeah. Yeah. So, she already killed think somebody. It is? I, I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. You don't no. think it's Martin or Antonio? No. Because it, it, well, Pilar wouldn't keep that secret. Hell no, Pilar wouldn't keep that no. secret. No, I. We don't know who it is, but I. I assume the person is a bad person. Yeah. But how did they cover it up? A person can't. Well, we'll see. Rich we'll people can cover anything That's up. That's true. That's true. So she and Pilar talk some more, and she says, "You know, Pilar, you should go. Like it's late. I didn't even want to call you because I didn't want to bother you. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna call the car and have them take you home." And Pilar's like, oh, no, don't call the car. I don't want my son to see that I'm coming home from here. He was already very suspicious. And Sheridan says, oh, you can have him drop you off a few houses down. She's just like, I don't want you taking the bus this late, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if you love Pilar so much, like, buy her a car. Why doesn't Pilar have a car? Or give her a raise so that she can buy herself a car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I thought about that, give her a raise. But she, but Pilar doesn't actually work for Sheridan. Sheridan doesn't pay her wages. Right. But Sheridan could buy her a car. Yeah, she could. Mm-hmm. If she liked her so much. She could buy her a car very easily. Mm-hmm. And she's been begging to give that money away, so I don't right. see why she doesn't do it. Yeah. But, I don't know. They're definitely setting us up for more intrigue, where Luis spots his mother coming back in the in the car, and she doesn't really tell him the truth about it, even though Pilar never lies. Like, we're, we're setting some stuff up in the future. Yeah. I believe. So... But I also think that Sheridan, not Sheridan, I also believe, think, I also think that Pilar could very easily say to Luis, well, you told me that Sheridan was upset, so I just wanted to go check on her. And that is the truth. That is, yeah. And that is the truth. And he, he might, it might make him more suspicious. She knows her son, so that might make him suspicious. But at the same time, like, she hasn't lied to him. And it's reasonable that she would go check on someone that she basically raised. It is reasonable, but that's exactly the scenario that they're trying to avoid. So I think it would definitely be suspicious to Luis. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we, like you said, Pilar knows her son. She knows that this would pique his interest. So, so Pilar leaves, and Sheridan goes to take a shower. She's like, I'm going to take a shower before I drink my warm milk. 
Bitch, that milk won't be warm when you get out of the shower. She went to take a shower. She gets out of the shower. She's like, mm, my warm milk. I was like, girl, that's cold milk now. It's, it is room it's temperature milk. It's na- that's room worse. temperature milk. Ugh, it's nasty. Ugh. She, and so then she took a sip of it, almost threw up. Because I saw like the film from the milk Ugh. on the glass. Ugh, milk is so nasty. And to me, I'm sorry to all you milk lovers out there, but I can't stand that stuff. Mm-mm. So she drinks some of her milk and she's sitting on the couch and... She falls asleep. Reads a book for approximately one second. 30 seconds, maybe. falls asleep. And falls asleep. <laughs> and then she stands up, and guess who's sleepwalking again? Yeah. Guess who's back to sleepwalking? I'm into this. I like this version of Sheridan. She, she gets up. She's sleepwalking. She walks over to her little table. and Knocking shit over. She leaves the cottage. She stands up and walks out of the cottage, walks into the main mansion. Oh, right, because I was like, where is she, where is she sleepwalking right. to? She, oh, yeah. she leaves the cottage. She, like, knocks over a flower pot on her way out of where, out of where she's staying, walks into the main mansion and into the living room where yeah. this next scene takes place. Where she sees a letter opener and puts her hand over it. We're transported into this dream she has when she sleepwalks. And we see her as a little girl coming into this room full of of like gothic candles gothic yeah. candle light i don't know if they did that for effect i guess like candelabras everywhere she walks into the room she grabs the letter opener and sheridan adult sheridan in the dream is saying like don't do that don't do it she's like oh my gosh this is that night this is gonna be the worst night of your life don't do it get out before it's too late like run get run, out be- sheridan get out before anyone sees you but of course and then, the, of course, yeah, the little girl you can't know. hear her. It's, yeah. it's a scene playing out in front of her, yeah. like a la um, a Christmas Carol. Mm. Like she's a ghost of, ghost of, ghost of, ghost of murder past. Yeah, right. So then, young Sheridan has picked up the letter opener and goes and kind of hides behind the door frame, so it looks like when someone enters the room, she won't be seen. Yeah. Did you ever do that? Like, did you ever play like tricks on your brothers or sisters and you kind of? Hide yeah. behind the, the door, and then when they yeah, walk jump in, you out. pop out. You know, yeah. it was it kind of reminded me of that, only not fun. No, it's very <laughs> scary. She and she, adult Sheridan is saying, "They're coming, they're coming." So I, I don't know who this person is, and so little girl Sheridan is standing there with her letter opener, holding it. And then here's the thing: we don't see her kill this person. The thing we see, the next thing we see, is the the letter opener in that person's back. That's mm-hmm. what we see. We didn't see Sheridan kill anybody. Yeah. And Sheridan didn't see herself kill anybody. Yeah. So Sheridan, Sheridan didn't kill anybody. No. This is... Did I already say this? It's clearly a case where little girl Sheridan was manipulated and bullied into thinking she did something that she was not responsible for. Yeah. And I don't remember if I said this to you or if I said this on the recording. You just said it on the recording. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wasn't... You can cut it out. But um, but it's also very clear that the person is a man. Yeah. It's a, a man, man in like a penguin suit. You know what yeah. I mean? We couldn't see the face. He's in all black. Yeah. It's a man. Definitely. So Sheridan. Think she killed somebody. Yep. No wonder she's messed up. Sheridan's really going through no it. No wonder she hates herself. Sheridan's really going through it. Yeah. So since we're talking about Sheridan, let's let's go over to the Lopez Fitzgerald home and figure out whatever happened oh over God. there. Because honestly, I don't Ugh. really know. I, I actually wrote a lot of notes about it, but I, I tried to write notes. So Pilar has gone, but Luis doesn't know that Pilar is gone. So he and Hank come back into the house after playing basketball. With ice cream. They must have stopped at the store. They must have left, gone to the store, come back with ice cream. And yeah. he says he's looking for Pilar because he bought, like, her favorite ice cream for her. Peach he's flavored. Like, he's like, Mama, Mama, Gross. Mama. And then he's like, oh, she must have gone to bed. So then Luis and Hank 
sit down. And the next thing I wrote is that they talk about Charity and Miguel. Yeah. So the way they got there is uh, Hank basically complains that there's no nightlife in Harmony. He's like, oh, I forgot that everything shuts down the minute the sun goes down in Harmony. It's so boring here after dark. And then Luis somehow is like, well, things are also quiet because like Miguel went to bed early because Charity's supposed to like be moving here or something. I'm not entirely sure. But Hank did say, well, you know, I feel sorry for any other girl who has a crush on Miguel because he's been struck by Cupid's arrow when it comes to Charity. Yeah. So Miguel is asleep basically in the next room. He's in his bedroom asleep. And he shoots straight up like a rocket and said, did somebody call my name? Because he was having a dream about Charity. And then he says out loud, I was having a dream about Charity. Something happened to her. Yeah. She's in trouble. Charity's in trouble. Yeah. But, and then he's like, it was just a dream. It was just a dream. I'm, I'm, you know. So he's having the same dream that Charity's having. We're going to get to Charity. I got a lot to say about Charity. I'm not going to do it now. No. So he gets up. He needs a little snack. So he goes to the kitchen where Miguel and Hank are talking about him. Mm Mm-hmm. And Hank says something. He's like, you only met Charity a couple weeks ago? I can't believe how head over heels you are for each other. Yeah, yes. yeah. He was like, I, I know you. I, I only met her a few weeks ago, and it's like, it's been seven days. We are keeping track of the time. Yeah, it's. I don't even know that it's been a full seven days. I don't think. I think it's been like five or six. Like, yeah, we've been watching it for weeks, and yes, he did only he met her <laughs> weeks ago at this point for us. But like in the show, it's that's been... the timeline is way off. Yeah, they're trying to play us. They're trying to play us, and I will not be played. No. We should have done a better job of keeping track. We can go back and kind of track it. That's true. Yeah. It just will take a little bit of time. It will. I think it's like five or six. I don't think we've been a full week yet. I think we're in six or seven. Okay. I think because we did like two days in Paris. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they said she. they met weeks ago. They, did they not. met a week ago. At most. So then Luis starts to give him kind of a hard time like oh it's all over for me now I'm never going to be able to get into the bathroom again because my little brother's always in there messing with his hair for 45 minutes and he's always like do you think girls like the wet style or the dry style better and it's just like they do this whole thing they do this whole thing that evolves into them kind of like play fighting and wrestling yeah and again I felt like I was watching a weird incest porn (laughs) again this show constantly flirts with that line they really do a little. A lot. A little. It was weird. I did not care for it at all. Yeah. Well, then, like, they sit down and Hank and Luis give Miguel, like, advice. They do, like, a whole guy thing. They like, try to. Hank's talking about how he won't settle down for any girl. And Miguel's far ahead of him in the game in that way that he's ready to commit to someone. And, yeah. And Luis is like, if it's meant to be, it'll be. And what's well, interesting because Hank was like, well, I've never made the commitment because I'm not ready. And Luis is like, well, maybe I let the right one slip away. So you know, if if you think that she's the one, then you got to go for it. You know, you can't let you can't let her get away. Basically. Yeah, don't let her get away. So yeah. then Miguel returns to his bed yes. and goes right back to sleep and goes right back to having that same dream. Straight back to it. Right back to it. Miguel goes back to his room. And Luis and Hank talk a little bit about like what they want in life. Hank says some dumb shit about women. I don't exactly remember what it was, but it basically was him saying, like, well, I don't want to rush into anything. And then Luis is like, well, one day I do want to get married and have a family. I just have to find the right girl, you know? And Hank's like, you know, maybe I had my chance once, but I think I might have blown it. And Luis is like, what are you talking about? I didn't know this about you. And Hank is like, oh, well, you don't know the girl, and I don't want to get into the details about it. And so Luis is like, all right, cool. He gets up to leave. I don't know why. He leaves the room. And then Hank says out loud, I've got to keep it private, especially since my buddy's a cop. So there's like some 
who who knows some, some intrigue situation there. with a woman and some illegal activity yeah. because he wants to hide it from Luis. So I don't know if that's ever going to come up, but it does seem like they're planting a seed. It does seem like they're planting a seed. Yeah. So at this point, we should head over to the Bennett home. Yes. yes. And let's talk about these people over here at this house. <sighs> let's. Want to start upstairs or downstairs? That's what I'm trying to figure out, and I think I want to start upstairs. upstairs. <laughs> What's happening upstairs? Kay and Simone are in Kay's room, and Kay has put on what is allegedly like sexy lingerie, and they wouldn't show it to us. And she's like, Miguel's going to fall in love with me, and when he sees me in this, and Simone looks at her and goes, what are you wearing? She's so <laughs> shocked by it. And then they pan to this bitch, and she's wearing a nightgown. It looks like, like a sundress. It literally is a blue dress that I wore to a seventh grade dance. <laughs> yeah. I wore that dress to a dance. You know what's funny you say that? Because I remember being in seventh grade and going to dances, and my mother, like, I kept trying on dresses, and she would always be like, it looks like a slip. It looks like a nightgown. You can't wear it. <laughs> and she would never let me get the dresses that were in fashion at the time that because she kept saying they look like a nightgown. Look like a nightgown. So it's exactly what Kay was wearing, and the only person who would have had a problem with it is my mother. And there was nothing sexy about it. No. It had like thin straps. There was nothing sexy about no, it. No, it was like she down didn't, to her knees. She it didn't even, like a sundress. She didn't even have her he'll never know bra on. <laughs> right? Like she wasn't even sitting those girls up. She wasn't yeah. doing anything. It was a nightgown. Mm. That's not sexy. She had her hair all like, like yeah. zhuzhed up and she had like really heavy purple eyeshadow She had like teased it on. and it was fluffed out. Didn't look good. Nope. Okay, her makeovers. <laughs> she has like three of them now and none of them have turned out well. Also, how's her hair back to normal? Yeah. Remember that Simone had like bleached her hair and it was coming out in clumps. Mm. She was trying to be blonde. Yeah. Her hair w- should not look like that. Nope. At all. Not one bit. She's been wearing like a handkerchief over her head for like three episodes. The writers of Passions, I don't think ever banked on anyone like doing this <laughs> and watching it so intensely <laughs> yeah. and then talking about every single thing. And yeah. they were like, who cares? It's a daytime soap. Let's just drive the story forward. <laughs> well, I care. And they're just going to like leave things in the by the wayside. Someone was like, that shed that TC goes into never comes back. I was like, what the fuck? I want to know. I, this is another one. I honestly, you know what? We should like look up some of the writers on this show and see if we can get like an interview with one of these writers and talk about their time writing on passions. I think that would be be so fun just to hear what they like, just to answer some of our questions. We have some questions that we need answers. (laughs) (laughs) Like we love this show. We need some insight. But why isn't Kay's hair bleached anymore? (laughs) And they would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because it's episode 49 of 2000 and something. And we will write to whoever wrote these episodes and talked to them about it. We right. should do that, though. That'd anyway. Be, that'd be amazing. That'd be hilarious. Okay. So, Kay is dressed in her sexiest lingerie. And why? To pray tell. <sighs> because she's gonna go and seduce Miguel. She's like, this is my last chance, Simone. I'm gonna go to his house and I'm gonna lose my virginity to, virginity to him and it's gonna change everything. And he won't think about charity anymore once I slip into his bed. And rape him. Yeah. Yeah. Kay has like a villain speech. She was like, up until now, Charity's crises have always gotten in my way. But now I am in crisis and it necessitates action. It's like, all right, Miss Villain. Yeah. Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil over here. Oh, I'm going to wear this to Miguel's bed. Yeah. And she, so she lays out her whole plan to seduce Miguel. And Simone tells her, Simone is like shocked. And is very upset by this. She's like, oh my God. She goes, it's not going to work. And who says that losing your virginity, like having sex with him is going to make any difference? Like it's not going to work. 
And once you lose your virginity, you can't get it back. She's really harping on the fact mm-hmm. that Kay wants to have sex. And not on the fact that all of this is wrong. Right. Right? From head to toe. But, like, I get it. I get it. When I was a teenager, I was kind of like that, too. Where I was like, no, we shouldn't have sex. We should wait till marriage. I was never really like that. I still think, I, I maybe I'm wrong. I still think that I would have had the wherewithal in my teen years to say, like, no, this is wrong. And not, not the having sex part. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to promote teenagers having sex. No, that's not, not at all. That's not at all what I'm trying to say. But I have always believed, and I still believe that it's an important part of being human. I think that if you and your partner have both consented, are and are in a place where you are being, you know, protecting yourselves, and in a place like emotionally and you know physically wanting to do that and be supportive of each other and be in it. You know what I mean? It's not just like. Especially when it's, like, your virginity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it is a serious thing that needs to be taken seriously. But I, I, I don't believe in this flimsy, like, you should wait until you're married. Like, right, yeah. No, I definitely did growing up. I was like, no, you should wait till you're married and blah, 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 whatever. I grew up in the Bible, Bible Belt, too, so that's, yeah. like, a whole nother thing. But, no, she is ready to go and lose her virginity to Miguel, who doesn't want it. No. Like, he doesn't want to have sex with her. Mm-mm. Has made it crystal clear. Yeah. And Simone looks at her and she's like, your plan is stupid. Yeah, it's stupid. She says it just <laughs> like that. Stupid. I love it. And then Kay like, takes out a condom oh my God. from her bag. One condom. A single condom. A single One. condom. Singular condom. condom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one singular condom. And Simone is horrified by it. Like, she yells, get that thing away from me. And she, like, runs to the other side of the room. These girls. Kay is like, I'm going to sneak in through the window, climb into the bed, and pull out this. <laughs> wait, till he, wait till he sees this. He'll know I'm serious then. And Simone, Simone <laughs> is moved to vocalize. She puts her hands over her ears. She goes, I don't want to hear this. Too much information. Yeah, like, she's like, like oh, no. This is horrible. I don't want to hear any of this. She's like singing it. Which I was like, okay, come on, vocals. Come on, Simone. Come through vocals. Uh, all because of a condom. Oh, yeah. Oh, but that, yeah. You know, that in of itself tells you these these people are not ready for sex. If you're like, if you can't say the word condom, if you like jump at the sight of a wrapped condom, you know what I mean? An unwrapped random condom on the subway. Yeah. Fucking jump. Yeah. Run away from it. You know? But like, if you, if you have a problem with a, with a sealed little wrapped up condom, like you shouldn't be having sex with anybody. No, you should absolutely you, you should know? not. Well, and Simone isn't. But oh. Kay, oh Lord. So then Kay's about to leave and then she heads out her bedroom door and then she goes, oh no, your mom's, your mom's downstairs with my mom. And then Simone's like, oh no, no, I'm, what, now I'm an accomplice and she's like really freaking out and Kay's like calm down you have to cover for me blah 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 and then Kay sneaks out the window and heads over to Miguel's house oh my god so downstairs at the Bennett home while all of this is happening upstairs they have no idea how awful their fucking daughter is they're downstairs Grace is fully hyperventilating I am so over this this episode constantly cut back to this scene, which we have now been doing for like three episodes mm-hmm. of Grace hyperventilating, hyperventilating in hysterics, trying to convince her husband and best friend that her sister is in desperate need of assistance. Yeah. And they just 
won't listen. They will not listen. Honestly, I only have two notes here, and this is basically what happens. So Grace is hyperventilating. They want her to go to the hospital, but she refuses to go to the hospital. Then she decides that she she's like, I need to go to Castleton. But Sam stops her and is like, no, you're in no condition to be driving to Castleton, right? right. And basically, like, they have some conversation here and there, but basically that's the whole thing that happens until... Sam finally is like, well, what about the webcam? And he says, yeah. we can call her on the webcam. And if her computer's still hooked up, then it will show us what's going on in the house. I, I didn't understand. This was so flimsy because it's like, if she wasn't answering the phone, what makes you think she's going to answer the, the computer? Right. I, I just stupid. didn't get it. It was, it was stupid. Because Sam offered to call the Castleton Police Department. He's like, I'm the chief of police. I'll call the police department and maybe they can do a welfare check. And Grace is like, that's going to take too long. Let's try the video call. Like, it will take as long for him to call the police and have them to go do a welfare check as it would for them to just drive to Castleton. But then, later on, like, we yeah. find out that they don't even have their address, which I thought they had. I did, too. So I think that's part of the reason I was so irritated yeah. by this whole thing. Because, yeah, later on, we discover that they don't know the address. And the reason for that is because the video call does go through and Faith answers. Faith answers the video call. So back in Castleton... Faith has been crawling around her living room. Period. She's covered in soot and ash and blood. Period. She's been crawling around her living room. She like she's like charity. I can't get to charity. She can't get to charity for whatever reason. She and she has crawled fully around the living room, like around the couch in a circle. <sighs> I, I don't understand. Maybe we're just meant to believe it's like she's disoriented. She's she's obviously unwell. She's ill. You know, the smoke inhalation is you know has lowered the oxygen levels in her blood. Her she's not functioning the way she should. But she's just crawling around in a circle. I guess. Like you said, she has been beat up. She has been suffering with, with smoke inhalation and all of these things. But, like, she has had the energy. At first, she was up on her feet moving around this house right. in, no, in no rhyme or reason. Like, no rhyme or reason to where she was going. Right. And then she fell to the floor. And then she's crawling around and she's doing all of these different things. It's like, at what point do you just go out of the house, get some fresh air, maybe come back in or go around to the side and... Go through Charity's window, like yeah. break her window open, yeah. get her out of there that way, or at least alert her. She's a she's a big girl. She can get the fuck up yeah. and run out of the house. That's exactly what I think. Look, I don't know. Maybe in the scenario, in these shoes, that is an impossibility, or your brain just can't function so that you can think that way. I don't know. But in my head, I have been wondering why, when she immediately could not access Charity's room because of the fire, why she didn't leave, walk around, go out the front door, walk around to the side of the house break that window open and call out to charity or go, or just fucking go in and pull her out through the window. You know what I mean? I, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I, I don't, don't understand. Hey, I, I don't, don't hey, understand. I don't, hey, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, like, I just don't get it. So she is in her house and answers the webcam. <laughs> the dial up sound <laughs> is what rouses her. Yeah. <laughs> like the dollops the, the dollop sound of the 90s and she answers the webcam it's like if she was gonna answer the webcam why didn't she answer the phone if we're doing all of this i just didn't get i didn't understand i don't understand i just i don't understand so then back in harmony they can see that that house is on fire and that yes there is something wrong with faith yeah. and yes grace was right the whole time and then eve's apologizing like i'm so sorry i didn't believe you it's like let's figure out how to get like how do we fix this what do we do what, yes. what do we do now my my note is they start talking on video chat instead of dialing 911 yeah nobody calls down 911 and then sam eventually finally calls meanwhile 
Charity is still in her bed. How is she asleep? Her room is engulfed in flames. She also is yelling in her. She's going, Miguel, save me! Yelling. And thrashing around wildly. How is she asleep? How is she asleep? Is that part of the magic? So I've been I've been thinking about this. Like, is that part of the magic that has occurred? Or maybe like she's obvious so she and Miguel are having this like connection, this like psychic mental Mm -hmm. connection. Is that like premonition that's occurring, like preventing her? It's like occupying her mental space so that she can't wake. Like, what is going on? I don't know. What I do think, the one thing that I do think is that her powers are like lasered in on Miguel, and that's why they're having the same dream is like because of her magic. So they're having like that. So maybe that's why. So maybe yeah, she can't get up, but they just it just didn't. Ex- they just haven't explained it to us right. at all. And like, I mean, I've been asleep and like made a noise myself and woke up like something like. <laughs> or something like that and and it wakes me up just because my body is like wait what was that sound Mm. you know what I mean I don't often make sounds and wake myself up but I have definitely farted in my sleep (laughs) and the smell has woken me up it wasn't the sound not the sound at all it's like what is that that happened to me with my (laughs) ex-boyfriend years and years and years ago when I first I keep talking about my like dairy lactose intolerance issues where like it had been I think a birthday party or something and so we were like had a cheese tray and I you know and later that night went to bed and it was so bad I woke us both up oh no (laughs) oh no so sorry if that's you know TMI but I'm just saying like this the smell of smoke and acrid like burning I mean sometimes I I smell like cigarette smoke coming into our apartment and it wakes me up yeah yeah I think it would wake me unless there's like some magical element that was not explained to us did Tabitha cast a spell that we didn't see yeah is it because she's linked in with Miguel that she she can't wake up like I don't I don't understand I don't understand we need a writer we need a writer to, to like, that's something for, a question for the writer. That's a question for that's the writer. That's a question writer. for the writer. Okay, so, while all of this is going on, they also threw in, ju- you know, just for good measure, a random Father Lonigan clip, right? <laughs> they just randomly brought in Father Lonigan <laughs> at the church, where he's, like, standing in front of that angel statue, praying, and then he touches the statue, and it's still crying, and he's like, oh, good Lord, why is it, why is it still crying? I thought that the sisters had met each other. I thought this was over. Lord, help these souls, whatever he says, you know. And, and then that statue comes to life. Yeah. And Father Lonigan senses the light and he says, there's a light where I've seen nothing but darkness for years. I can see. Yeah, good Lord, I can see. <laughs> okay. A miracle. A miracle. A Christmas miracle. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, Lord. So Father Lonigan can see. Do you think this is a permanent no. change? or just? I know it's not a permanent change. Oh. Just in that moment. Oh, I, I thought... don't know what they're doing now, but I, I don't know what this is, but he's blind. Oh. Well, he can see right now because he sees this little angel yeah. statue person thing. So she's showing him the light. Hopefully she's going to intervene. She's useless. Oh. I mean, I don't know, but she has been useless so far. Yeah, but I'm hoping for like... She knows everything. She's got all the answers and is giving none of them out. Mm. She speaks in riddles and rhymes. Mm. Be prepared for tonight, Grace, but she doesn't actually say what it is. Yeah, or, yeah. or give her some... Some kind of help or tools to yeah. say, like, you should do this tonight. I don't know. What are the rules? Because, like, if Tabitha can interfere directly, then why can't the angel? And, I mean, the angel does somewhat interfere. She shows up. Yeah, but she, but doesn't, she doesn't do, do anything. anything. That's the difference. Like, the, the the dark side, the bad side is actually, like, doing something. Yeah. Now, everybody knows that this house is on fire, right? Right. They found out on the webcam. Sam is calling the poli- the fire department, telling them where to find them. He, he says, you have a fire at the home of Faith Standish. I don't have the address, but it's a home in, in woods, and there's two women inside who are trapped in a fire. You Please, you have to find them, right? 
And while all of this going on, Kay, remember <laughs> our friend Kay, has snuck over to Miguel's house and has snuck in through the window, his bedroom window. She has let herself in. She's wearing her little blue nightie with a coat over it. Mm-hmm. She's got the coat kind of pulled down so one shoulder is exposed. Ma- she creeps into his bed like the East Area Rapist. Well, and Miguel's like Ugh. moving around in his bed and going, Charity, Charity's in trouble. Like he's, you know, he's going, Charity, what is it? And she says like, don't worry about, you. you're not going to think about Charity anymore after tonight, basically. And then she kind of leans over his body and she's like going in to kiss him. And then he wakes up. <laughs> he wakes up. He's like, okay. What are you doing here? You know, and right when she's about to say, I don't, I want to know what the fuck she was going to say to him. What was she going to say? How do you, what do you say in this situation? I honestly think, I honestly think that she was going to rape him. Force herself on him. Like she was going to force herself on him. I think that she was hoping he would be half asleep, not really know what was going on. The lights would be out. It would be dark and she would just like have her way with him. She didn't think he was going to wake up. Well, I, I think she was hoping for that kind of half awake, half asleep. Oh, this feels nice. Let's keep doing it kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, she's fucking awful. She, I have said this so many times and I will never stop. Kay is a sexual predator. She is. And we know, we know that sexual predators escalate. And this is exactly what is happening. This she is snuck, escalation. She snuck into that locker room. She orchestrated that entire Harmony Hunk contest. She is now snuck into this boy's room, is determined to have her way with him without any regard for his feelings or his desires in this matter. I mean, it's appalling. It is appalling. It is so... And if you reverse the roles and think about a a boy doing this to a girl, you... It's very clear that it's wrong. It's a lifetime movie. And it's it's very clear in this day and age that when a girl does it to a boy, it is equally as wrong. Mm. But 20 years ago, people didn't think that way. I don't know. I think people still were like, what the fuck? I imagine that's a very... Even even 20 years ago, I would... I feel like I would have been like, what the fuck is she doing? I don't... Maybe. No, I... Honestly, I think a lot of people would have been like, maybe not in the rape sense, but definitely in the, this is an invasion. It's super fucked Kind up. of sense. Well, you know, maybe I'm wrong though, because what was that Netflix movie that we watched? That teen movie where they like switch spots and that girl like kissed that boy? Sierra Burgess. Sierra yeah. Burgess is a loser. That was really unacceptable. Yeah. I, I, like the, I hated that. Yeah. It's like you can't, and people, I don't know why they, like writers keep, oh, well, if a girl does it, it's, it's not okay no matter who does it. It's not acceptable. Yeah. I didn't like that it movie. Is a, it is a forceful, violent attack. Like, yeah. ugh. So, ugh. so Kay is leaned over him. He wakes up and right as he's like, what are you doing here? Right as she's about to say something, Hank and Louise burst into the ugh. bedroom. Ugh. And I guess because they heard him kind of yelling in his sleep, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what made them come in, but they came in to check on him. And how embarrassing. <laughs> how embar- I was yelling. I was laughing so hard. I was like, what is that? Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, obviously, I would never be in that situation, but uh-uh. put yourself in Kay's shoes in that moment. I would be so completely and utterly mortified. Oh. She like, her uncle, her uncle bursts in. Oh. oh, my God. She's in, like, that lingerie. Her uncle and, like, a police officer. Yeah, but they can't see that she's in that. Yeah, she, like, thing, pulls, so she makes sure she covers pulls herself Pulls that up. sleeve over herself and kind of covers herself with the coat. Yeah, and j- just as they're trying to figure out what's going on, they're like, Kay, what are you doing here? What? How'd you get into my house? Louise <laughs> says. And... <laughs> And before she is able to get anything out, Simone comes rushing in. Simone for the fucking save, honestly. Simone comes rushing in to tell them that Charity's house is on fire. And yet another person who has just let themselves into this house. It's hilarious because before anyone really gets anything out, Miguel just looks around and says, what is everyone doing in my room? (laughs) (laughs) He's so disoriented, poor kid. Yeah. 
So she comes in, she comes rushing in. She's like, the Standish home is on fire. There's trapped in the house. And I just came over because I thought, I figured you would want to know. And so then Miguel and Hank and Luis all rush out, thank her to, and Kay's like, yeah, that's why I came over too. I came over to tell you that too. Yeah. Somehow. And they, you know, they don't have enough time to really think about it in that right. moment. Because it obviously doesn't make sense. And Luis is looking at her like, I still don't, I still don't know how you snuck in past me. Mm-hmm. You know, but they all rush out and Simone follows them out and Kay follows Simone out and grabs Simone and is like, I'm going to kill you. Horrible. How? I'll say it again. Horrible. She's escalating. We know that perpetrators of sexual assaults often escalate and the violence grows and eventually it turns into like murders and vi- like physical violence. Mm-hmm. And then that often evolves into serial killing. Kay is a little psychopath mm-hmm. and I can't stand her. Yeah. So Kay is mad at Simone, even though Simone just really saved her ass. Yeah. Saved her ass. Mm-hmm. So how many times does Simone have to save her ass? And Kay just keeps threatening her. Kay's awful. Awful, awful, awful. Maybe it was Kay's shadow that Father Lonigan was talking to. Oh, my to. God. <laughs> oh, my God, maybe. The evil. So that's the whole episode, yes? That's it. That's we did it. it. We, we've done it again. <laughs> we've done it 29 times, I think. No, this is 28. 28 times. It. I think. Yeah, this is 28. Yes. Okay. We've done yeah. it 28 times. Yes. So <laughs> thanks again to Andrew for your email. Yeah. If, if any of you want to share anything with us, please do so. Send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a message on Facebook or Instagram at Passions Podcast and yeah give us a review yeah give us a review tell us I loved hearing Andrew's story about how they got into watching the show so send us your story how did you start watching Passions? Why? What was your experience? How old were you? you know, yeah. I love this. And if you know one of the writers on Passions, please send them our way. Or if you are one of the writers on Passions, <laughs> like, give us a call, please. Like, we have some questions and we need answers, please. Mm-hmm. We have some unsolved mysteries to oh get into. Oh, my gosh. I, haven't wa- I finished it already and now I'm watching Dateline. <laughs> oh, I love Dateline. It's so good. Yeah. All right. So with that, you are my passion for life.